Guys, welcome back to another episode of Soaring Highs and Crushing Lows. As always, I'm your host, Fernassus, and we are recording live from my parents' basement. <clears throat> We're going to get right into it here, guys. Uh, a lot of stuff to cover on today's episode. We, uh, <clears throat> I recently discovered the sheer weight, the sheer absolute uh, weight of... My debt, I didn't think it was this bad, but it's very bad, guys. We got to discuss some options for me to get out of debt. We're going to talk about my experience riding the train in Philadelphia. Whoa, thank God I'm still alive. <clears throat> um, we also are going to get into James from Love on the Spectrum. I'm more alike with James than I am apart. Uh, we're also going to get into some referee stories and also, this is interesting, this is the first episode in recent memory that I can remember doing while sober, okay? It's Monday morning, I don't have to be in work till 4 p.m., so I figured I'd crank out an episode. I'm enjoying an orange juice, just had a cup of joe. However, I do have to tell you guys that caffeine actually makes me three times crazier than Pinot Noir ever would. Pinot Noir calms me down, if you can believe that. I just had a couple Folgers. I'm ready to, you know, I'm radicalized. I'm ready to go nuts. So let's get right into it for another episode of Soaring Highs and Crushing Lows. All right, guys, I have a big time crushing low to tell you this week, but right away I want to tell you about my experience riding the Frankfurt L. So last week, Father Judge played Roman Catholic, two Philadelphia area high school teams, in the semifinals downtown West Philadelphia at the Palestra. Now, um, we'll get into this later, but I'm poor. So I was looking at my options here and I realized that, hey, <clears throat> Philadelphia is a major metropolitan city and we have a fantastic public transportation system. The subway, the L train, um, the, the trolleys, the buses, we have everything we need to get around the city. However, we're also living in modern day Gotham. Okay, we're living, uh, you know, you're safe, you might be safer taking the public transportation in Kiev, Ukraine. You might be safer taking public transportation in, uh, I mean, I don't know, you name it, any uh, war-ridden city. Who else is at war? I don't know. Israel, Palestine, who cares? We don't worry about those things. Apparently only liberals and Joe Biden worry about that. I worry about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And boy, there's a lot to worry about, I gotta tell you. So, Bridge and Pratt is where you would get on the L. That's where the L starts, the Market Frankfurt line. However, I don't know if you've been down to Bridge and Pratt lately. That's the, might be the scariest place on earth, okay? And I actually don't want to die. Believe it or not, later in the episode I'm gonna talk about is death a better option for me, but I don't want to die. There's a lot of good things on the horizon, I'd like to stay alive. Going to Bridge and Pratt, uh, increases my chance of death about 35 to 45%. So I'm an odds man. I decide I'm going to drive down to uh, Burke's Station. Burke's Station is in Fishtown. That's where the liberals have taken over. Um, so I get into a... I get on the train, and I got a few beers with me. And you might be saying, well, you're going to sit here and complain about people on the train when you're bringing beers on the train? Relax. Okay, there's people literally shooting needles of heroin into their toes. Okay, so if I bring a few suds onto the train, I don't think anybody's getting hurt. 
So I, I have my I headphones in, and um, <clears throat> right away, if you're going to ride the train in this city, I'm going to tell you something right now. Headphones are not an option. You have to keep your head on a goddamn swivel. You cannot get on a public transportation in Philadelphia with headphones on. You cannot be distracted. You have to be focused, head on a swivel, every, like you're driving a car. You know, every 30 seconds, left mirror, right mirror, rear view mirror, left mirror, right mirror, rear view mirror. You got to know your surroundings or you could end up dead. That's the severity of the situation. And um, so I get on the train. And there's a gentleman there who has about four to five stacks of cat food. Okay? And uh, he's, he's saying something to me. I can't hear him. He says something again. I ignore him. He says it again. I'm like, okay, I take my headphones out. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, man, listen. I got, I got, I got this cat food here. This cat food. $200, man. $200 worth of cat food, man. I'll tell you what. Give me $50, this cat food's yours. Now, I know what you're saying at home. This guy's offering you $200 of cat food for $50. That is a steal. That's a bargain in today's economy. However, there's one problem. I don't have a cat. I don't know anyone with cats. And I have no idea how the black market of cat food works, okay? I'm not exactly an expert in kibbles and bits. So, uh... And I'm not interested. He goes, man, come on, you don't have, you can turn this, you can turn this. I said, listen, man, I'd rather you offer me heroin. I got a better shot of turning that than cat food. So now I sit, I, I find a seat in the back, and what you want to do is on the public transportation is you want to get a window seat facing everybody, okay? Right by the door. You don't want anyone sneaking up on you, okay? So I get that seat, and I'm listening to the new radicals. You get what you give. Great band, great song. And I'm relaxing. And I'm drinking my beer. I have a koozie. Relax. Meanwhile, I'm looking around the train. And everybody, as far as I'm concerned, is dressed as the burglars. Okay? Everyone looks like a burglar. If you saw these guys in the 1990s, you go, oh my god, it's a burglar. He's here to rob me. There's burglars on the train. That's how they're all dressed. They're dressed like burglars. I can't, I can't stress this enough. They all look like burglars. Black ski mask on, covering everything but their eyes. And I'm thinking, it's 55 degrees out. Why are these guys dressed as if they're going skiing in Aspen or robbing a house? There's only two reasons you would wear a mask like that. You're skiing in Aspen or you're robbing a house. We're on the L train headed westbound to 69th Street. There's no mountains and there, well, there's a lot of robberies going on. So maybe they're going to rob a house. Anyway, I digress. I'm sitting there on the train and in walks two... Uh, septa police officers, and oh my God, is there ever, if you're a normal law-abiding citizen, is there ever a bigger relief than seeing two police officers get on the train? I mean, like, oh, it's amazing. It's a great feeling. So they get on it. So a white cop and a black female cop. The black female cop starts right away, clapping her hands. Hey, yo, let's go. Take them shysties off. Take them shysties off right now. Take the shysties off. And I'm like, right away, I'm like, this chick, I... Can she be the next president? She's not taking any shit. Then some homeless guy is trying to give her shit. She's like, sir, I don't care. Take the shiesty off. Like, look, we're done. We're done. We're done tolerating bullshit from criminals. Tell us you to take the fucking mask off. Take the fucking mask off. Quite frankly, I don't like sitting on the train with people dressed as burglars. I don't know if you guys know this, but the crime in Philadelphia is through the roof. So if you get robbed, you know, and, and they say, well, who robbed you? I don't know. He was dressed like a fucking burglar. That's why you're not allowed to wear those masks. So she tells everyone to take the masks off. And most people comply, no problem. 
say 85%, no, no, 95% of people comply. One lady tells a black cop, she goes, you fucking, you going, you going to fucking go against your own people. You black, you black. She was saying the N-word, by the way. I'm not going to say the N-word on this show. I'm not dumb. I've seen the lessons of the past. Even though I'm not saying it, someone else is saying it to another black person. I know, I can't say it. I'm not going to say it. So she was saying, you black, you black. Instead of black, she's saying the N-word, okay? Use your imagination. You black ass lady, you a black lady, and you're gonna fucking, you're gonna get on here and fucking harass other black people. You're gonna harass other black people. And it's like, here's a black woman who's just doing her job, trying to make a living for herself, trying to follow the rules. You can't dress as a burglar. We're not asking too much. We're asking, hey, can you maybe not dress like you're going to rob someone's house? Is that too much to ask? And uh, they're going nuts on her. Like, and then people start agreeing. Yeah, she's going against the sisters and the brothers. And uh, keep in mind, I'm the only white person there. So I got my head down. I ain't looking up. Um, next thing you know, another guy comes on. He's fucked up on the Heron. And he's just dipped out, okay? Then there's a, a, a just an open transaction drug deal that goes on. The L is a very scary place. Now, I gave it a rating of a 5.4, and people said that rating was too high. You have to understand something, though, fellas, ladies. The L and the subway is the most convenient way of transportation ever. You can zip across the entire city, and I mean zip, and not have to pay for parking, not have to be stressed about anything. And I'm telling you, you can get wherever you need to go in the city with public transportation for under $10. It works. The system works. You know why the system doesn't work? The people. The people in this city are fucked up. And that's because we have progressive liberals who condone this behavior. So that's my experience riding the L. Uh, you know, I, like I said, uh, convenience-wise... Five stars. Safety ride? Ugh. 0.5 stars. All right, so uh, one thing I realized over the weekend, though, and, I, and usually every weekend I tell myself I'm gonna, I have a plan for what's going to happen. You know, maybe I'll drink Friday night, I'll sleep in Saturday, I'll, I'll go to the gym, and these plans never come to fruition. I mean, they never, ever come to fruition. More likelihood than not, every weekend I'm going to self-sabotage myself. I'm going to uh, destroy my body. And I'm going to get very little sleep. And nothing that I said I was going to do, I do. That's the life of a lonely, depressed man with a drinking problem. That's me. Ta-da! So, Friday I bartended at the wrong pub with the legend himself, Brannigan, and DJ Lash. Not a lot of people came out. Fuck you very much. But we still had a good time. We partied a little too hard. Uh, I was up till 6.30 in the morning. Had to go ref basketball, blah, blah, blah. After I ref basketball, I go to another party Saturday night. And uh, yeah, I come home. I still can't. I fall asleep around 4 a.m. Saturday. Now, 8 a.m. I wake up. I'm having panic attacks. I'm having anxiety. Sunday scaries. The world's crushing around me. How am I ever going to make it in this world? How am I ever going to move out of my parents' house? You know, all the typical things that come with Sunday scaries. Everyone's had the Sunday scaries. I am the leader of the Sunday scary brigade. So then I, uh, I, I'm freaking out. I, I need to take a walk. Take a walk. Come back and, uh, 
you know, my dad, uh, he wants to talk to me about my finances, which is, I'm telling you, this is like Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. We're supposed to talk. I don't want to talk about I understood, guys, when the new year started that I was going to sink into credit card debt. I was aware of this. I knew the plummet before I descended, okay, because I didn't have a job from January to, I have a job now, but January to ooh, February, no work, nothing coming in, making like $150 a week, $200 a week, maybe. And uh, you can't survive on that. So I, I plummeted into credit card debt. Fine. I was aware of that. I'm going to get myself out of it. Not the end of the world. However, I also thought that I was done paying Penn State. So it turns out I owe Penn State Abington $15,000 okay, for a degree that I will never, ever, under any circumstances, ever use again. And I don't know how I'm going to get these student loans forgiven, but they have to be forgiven. I'm the host of Bingo on Monday nights with a college degree. You got to throw me a bone here. You got to just let me go. Penn State, if anyone at Penn State's listening, I'm begging you. I know how many people are going to your school. You have thousands and thousands of campuses. I am a Bingo host, and I owe you 15000 Let it go, okay? Every, they're, they're fucking, your colleges are getting fucked. They got people taking out loans for a... Uh, Oh my God, they're taking out loans for art degrees. They're never using the art degrees. They owe $600,000 and Biden's paying off their loans, okay? I have a criminal justice degree. I'm never going to use it again. Fine. Please pay it off. Now, if you take the student loan debt, you take the credit card debt, and you take one I borrowed from my parents when I was stuck in Florida. I am running out of options here because there's no way out. I need to come up with $100,000, that's, that's kind of the number that I have in my head. $100,000 would help me out here. And I talk to a lot of my friends and a lot of people that listen to this podcast. A lot of, a lot of uh, constituents, if you will. And I'm actually not even that much bad in debt, comparatively speaking, to a lot of these folks. Okay, So we're just a society that's living in debt. And then I just I, I, have, to look at, I have to look at our country as a whole. And you see these numbers, like America's like, you know, $300 trillion in debt. How do we sustain ourselves? How do we get out of this debt is what I'm wondering. Um, I don't see a way out. I mean, I really don't see a way out. People that are in debt, I'll tell you this, um, it's a physical feeling. It's a, it's, a, it's a physical feeling. It feels like an obese man is sitting on your chest when you think about debt. You start panicking. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? I, I don't see a way out. I was talking to my friend last night, and we're very, uh, we're very pessimistic. Is there a way out of this debt? Is what we're wondering, and the answer is no. Uh, I'm just going to be like uh, completely real with you guys. We're probably going to go to our graves in debt, and that's pretty sick. So I'm just going to tell a pet state to go fuck themselves, not pay them. Fuck them. What are they going to do to me? Arrest me? Uh, and that's that's my plan. But the, like, I'm just thinking. I have zero money saved up, zero. Okay, live at home. I'm, I'm, I'm $70,000 in debt. How do I get out of this? How do we get out of this? Now, there's several options. I was looking into it this morning. One option that I was considering is we could relinquish our American citizenship. Um, a lot of people are fleeing to America. I might flee to another country. And I'm looking into some, uh, I got to find a country where I would thrive. If you're listening to the show, and I haven't been outside the country my entire life, so if you listen to the show and you and you you can think of a, a country that would accept me, Phrenosis, I'll go I'll go tomorrow, especially if that rat bastard, 
that scumbag Joe Biden wins the next election. I got to get out of here. There's no place. There's no place for me in America anymore. All right. I'm a white male, a poor white male, um, who's trillions of dollars in debt. No one cares about me. Can't get a job thanks to DEI. DEI is diversity, uh, diversity. I don't fucking know. Inclusion and some other bullshit. And basically, what DEI says in America is, do not hire white people. So I know that's controversial to say. I could get in trouble, but I think you realize I don't care on this show anymore. DEI means do not hire white people. That's a fact, okay? Um, it is. It, you know, controversial as that is, if you're white, you're probably not getting the job. So let's move on. I'm in debt. Um, oh, another option to fix the debt is passing away. Um, that's kind of the bleakest of the options that I have is to pass away, to die. Um, don't want to do that. Like I said earlier, don't want to die. Um, and I don't want to live with debt. Living with debt is like living with someone sitting on your chest. This isn't this isn't a sustainable way to go. But I got to find a way out. And one of the options that I have was, I don't know if you guys have seen this show, uh, This is a Robbery on Netflix. There is a world out there that I'm not familiar with, and that's the, the art world. And uh, Hunter Biden actually has a, he, he, he painted a picture for, and it sold for $800,000. Now, guys, $800,000 solves my, solves my debt problem, solves my boy's debt problem. I could take care of about four or five of my buddies with one Hunter Biden poster. So one option we're kind of playing around with, but I'm really scared of jail. I don't want to go to jail. And by the way, this is all theoretical, guys, so please don't report this to the FBI. But one of the options we talked about was possibly stealing a piece of artwork. Okay, not a major piece of artwork, not the Mona Lisa, just some, I don't fucking know, who's, a, who's an artist? I, I don't fucking know. I can't name any artists. I didn't pay attention. I went to college. I, I, I spent $3,000 on a contemporary art class, okay? That's going to help me down the line. I can't remember one fucking artist. However, I think if I steal a $200,000 piece of art, and that could be a piece of shit art, piece of art and I sell them to the black market, boom, problem solved. So if anyone in the art world thinks, can tell me the pros and cons of that, I'd be listening. So if you're paying attention, we have three options. Relinquish our American citizenship, flee to another country. We could die, we could pass away. Or three, we could steal contemporary art pieces and sell them on the black market. Now, you tell me guys, chime in what you think I should do. I'm all ears. We don't want to be all doom and gloom on this show, so let's bring up a happier note. A happier note for me, and the only thing that gave me comfort yesterday, was James. James from Love on the Spectrum. If you haven't seen this guy yet, he's the guy that's like, uh, um, I, I think that, um, I think that I'm 35 years old, and I, I, I live with my parents, and I like to, to find someone to spend my life with and to get married with. So, I'm sorry, that's my impression of James. It's not that great. James is autistic. However, me and James have a lot more in common than we do apart. I love the guy. He's just constantly worried. Constantly worried about everything. He's worried about his socks. Worried about his hair. Worried about his glasses. Worried... And he's just riddled with anxiety. He's the nicest guy in the world. The funniest guy in the world. But he has the tism. And uh, I'm basically... I relate to James in so many ways. I am James without the tism. And uh, James, I just want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, James, 
You and you alone have got me through a, a horrible day of anxiety yesterday. So James from Love on the Spectrum, love you. Love you. And I hope you get laid very soon. Because that will definitely help. All right. Let's move right on here into the referee stories over the weekend. It's funny. I was refing a referee game and uh, I actually got noticed by these two people. They said, hey, aren't you that referee from Instagram? Unfortunately, that is me. Um... Like I said, the more I do these videos, the more people are going to see it. And you guys just know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. One day I'm going to be refing a game, right? Going to be refing the game. And mind you, I try my best. I'm a pretty good referee. I get get up and down. I make the right calls. I hustle. I'm going to be refing a game. And someone's going to say, Hey, ref, why don't you go make another fucking TikTok video in your basement? You know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna imply that because I make these funny videos that, I, that, I, that I'm not trying my best ref in the game and that somehow I'm against their children because these people are fucking delusional. The sc- By the way, parent, any parents listening, if the score is 12 to 8, okay, bas- the idea of basketball is to get the ball in the hoop. If the score is 12 to 8 at the end of the game, your kids stink, I don't stink. End of story. End of story. Okay, so I got this one lady, though, this one chick, she's a... Uh, I gotta be careful now that people are listening, but this one was one coach. Every time I make a call, right, guys? Every time I make a call, it could be blatant. The girl could, the girl could commit simple assault, and the coach goes, "That's okay, girls. That wasn't a foul. Keep playing." Every, guys, every single call, great defense, girls. That wasn't a foul. Keep keep playing. Do you see the um, the narcissism? Do you see the do you see the problem that she's creating here, telling girls it's not your fault, it's the ref's fault? She's creating a culture here, okay? So now, this idiot, okay? And actually, I hope she hears this because I want to tell it to her fucking face. And my parents, my mom told me, you can't talk back to the coaches like this. Fuck that! The coaches and parents get to say whatever they want to me, the referee. I can't say anything back. They can say the stupidest fucking thing ever and I got to sit there and take it? I don't fucking think so. But she says to me, uh, hey, ref, hey, fr- hey, Fran, hey, Fran. Um, not criticizing you, not criticizing you. By the way, when someone says not criticizing you, you're about to get criticized harder than you've ever been criticized in your fucking life. So she goes, uh, hey, Fran, again, not criticizing, but the fails are 12 to 2. And I said, well, that's because you failed 12 times and they failed too. She goes, Fran, the, the, can't, the fails cannot be 12 to 2. Call it both ways. I said, listen. You're in a full court press. You're playing man to man. You're up and down the court. They're sitting in a zone. Don't you understand? You're risking more. That's why you have more fouls, you dumb idiot. So uh, I didn't say dumb idiot, but I told her it's 12 to 2 because you committed 12 fouls. They committed 2. Not exactly Chinese arithmetic here. Just a simple explanation. So the next half starts, and her team has 0 fouls. The other team has 8. Now, guys, in the first half, she was saying, wait a second. It's 12 to 2. Something's not right here. The fouls should be even. Now it's the second half. Her team has zero fouls. The other team has eight. So I said, hey, coach, uh, <laughs> you know, by your theory, the fouls should be 8 to 8. And she looked at me like I, was, like I was a fucking idiot. She's looking at me like I'm a fucking idiot for the same thing that she said not 20 minutes earlier. Not 20 minutes earlier. She said the same thing. These coaches are idiots. They're delusional. And I'm not going to bend over to them. I'm not going to do it. Okay? So you youth sports parents and coaches out there, you got to find somebody else to fuck with. Okay? I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. 
And also there was a fight in the parking lot with parents because, you know, why not? Youth basketball means everything. Now, guys, I try and keep these episodes, like I said, under 25 minutes. I'm at the 23-minute mark now. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up here. Um, moral of the story, um, I'm, in so, I'm in so much debt that I'm considering faking my own death, fleeing to another country, or robbing an art museum, okay? Not a lot of great options there, but that's what we're stuck with. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Soaring Highs and Crushing Lows. I will see you next time. Hang in there. And remember, it only gets worse.